The Notorious OTB on the Sports Gambling Podcast Network is brought to you by Edge Boost. Edge Boost enables you to double your bet with no interest. Go to sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash edge to get started today. Welcome, everybody, to the Notorious OTB, brought to you by the Sports Gambling Podcast Network. And as always, it's all good, baby, baby. Oh, it was all a dream. We used to read Blood Horse Magazine. I'm your host, Chase Sessoms, the Wolf of Oakland. Welcome, everybody. Welcome. It's a uh, it's a fun week. It's kind of like an off week. We get a couple. I'm going to air quote. I call them off weeks, which means the weeks that I will sleep most of the days. Uh, now, that <laughs> I have a couple uh, couple crown races out of the way. Uh, so. What better way to spice up the, than off week than uh, to bring in a man who normally I would say, You look good! Right. You look good! He, he's joining me without video today. <laughs> we will excuse him this time. Ladies and gentlemen, he failed to menace, but he succeeded to steal America's heart. <laughs> Mr. Matthew DeSantis. What's up, Matthew? Not much, man. It's good to be here as always. And it's funny. I agree with you that it feels like an off week where I'm like, oh, like I don't have to like scramble to do 15 things for a triple crown race and I can kind of relax a little bit. And I also think it's a fun time of year because a lot of these regional tracks that have been closed over the winter are opening back up. So you had like a Cinnaboya open up on Monday. You had Delaware Park open up on Wednesday. You have Canterbury opening up this Saturday. So I, I like seeing those little regional tracks kind of pop up. Obviously, Obviously, you know, people can go out and visit and that sort of thing, you know, closer to their homes and not just rely on, you know, three or four big tracks. But uh, we had a nice little sequence, I think, and a nice little card up there at uh, Belmont this Saturday. So uh, I'm excited to talk to you about that one. Oh, yeah, uh, we will be talking the uh, Saturday Belmont card. That does include the the grade three soaring softly stakes. Uh, but. Speaking of looks and something uh, we couldn't say to uh, horse racing over the last week. You look good. Right. You look good. <laughs> uh, but you know what does look good? My fallen Bob painting. That's right. The fallen Bob. We are giving away a canvas print of this one of a kind. I, I guess oil. I think it was done on a computer. We're going to call it oil painting. Uh, you can win a canvas print if you just leave a review for the show, the Notorious OTB, wherever you get your podcast. And what what is this this Fallen Bob? You might ask. Uh, the Fallen Bob uh, depicts uh one Robert Baffert, who we all love so much, who all bring, brings us so much pride. Uh, getting wrecked by uh, Authentic in the uh, Kentucky Derby uh, winner's circle. Uh, Matthew, does the Outcome of the Preakness or Preakness weekend, I should say, uh, make you want yeah. the fallen Bob more than ever? I, I think so. I mean, certainly, uh, you know, Bob was, listen, this is what I had a thought was going to happen, sadly. I mean, I not with having a meltdown. That was awful uh, and, and obviously not what we wanted to see. But with National Treasure in the Preakness, I was like, yeah, he's going to come back. He's going to win the Preakness. National Treasure feels like a really logical bet. And I was, it, one of the points that I made, to other people was there's a reason mage was 15 to one going into the Kentucky Derby. And it's not like everybody's just stupid. Like, I mean, the horse had broken his maiden and that was it. And so 
it's not as if this horse had this sterling resume and everybody's like, oh, how did we possibly miss Mage? It was like, well, he finished second of Forte, he finished fourth of Forte, and he broke his maiden at Gulfstream, and, and he never raced outside of Florida. And so I think Mage is a very good horse, but he's still such a young horse that I think it was inevitable there are going to be these like ups and downs with him. I mean, progression in horse racing is rarely ever linear. So, uh, you know, I, I was uh, not surprised that he kind of flattened out a little bit. Uh, I thought Blazing Sevens ran a huge race. And uh, I also thought it was funny that Irad is just allergic to running in a straight line. Um, but, you know, that's all right. Because I was watching the race with somebody who does not watch horse racing very often. And they're like, why does that one horse keep bumping into the other horse? And I was like, oh, well, that's just Irad. Oh, uh, that's, so. that's him. We, we, that's his thing. That's what he does. Don't worry about it. <laughs> yeah. I was like, yeah, it, it's fine. It's fine. Uh, I was like, nobody will do anything about it too. It, it's fine. Um, after the race, he might punch a seated man in a, in a white plastic <laughs> patio chair, <laughs> but, uh, but you know, listen, you know, Baffert is, listen, he's back and you know, we're, we're going to have to deal with him again at the Belmont here in a couple of weeks, because it looks like he might have multiple entries in that race. And, you know, it's just it's the state of horse racing, man. And it, it's sometimes can be frustrating to defend the sport and it can be uh, a little maddening at, at times. But, uh, you know, it was it was certainly one of those weekends where there were some incredibly high highs, really low lows. Obviously, a story like taxed, I thought for Black Eyed Susan Day was awesome uh, to see a horse that came out of fifty thousand dollar maiden claimer go on to win uh, the Black Eyed Susan. I thought that was really cool. And, you know, it was really neat to see a horse like Nagrock, you know, kind of come back and show his stuff uh, on the turf for Grand Motion. So, uh, you know, there are some really great stories. Uh, some, you know, Brittany Russell, local trainer, had a lot of wins on the weekend's card. So that's always fun to see. So, uh, you know, there, there was good and bad. But uh, listen, the Fallen Bob is going to be legendary. And it's going to be something that someone is going to be very, very lucky to be able to have uh, permanently for themselves. So tell me, all right. You mentioned we we have to deal with Bob. Bob's going to be in the Belmont Stakes. Um, we're not going to have the results from the necropsy of having to melt down back before the Belmont. Right. This is my this is my problem with Bob Baffert and what he's done to the sport is that uh, because of what happened to having a meltdown, we'll before we even see the necropsy, it by proxy made national treasure in the public's eye, I think a, a dirty horse that the horse yep. is on, on some, on an overage of something or on something else. It, that's just the facts of it is, is yeah. because of what happened, no matter what happened in that race, national treasure had that horse had that thing, everything his own way could be cleaning as a whistle. Doesn't matter what happened is going to be dirty in the eyes in the, in the, the, you know, the eyes of the public, we might already have, a, you know, depending on what Bob horses are in, we might already have a Belmont Stakes winner that's dirty in the eyes of the public. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I it's it makes my skin crawl a little yeah. bit. Just to let it, people ask why you hate Bob Baffert, this is why. Yeah, it is hard, and it's it's a challenge, and I try to always kind of thread the needle with Baffert because one of the points that I that I make occasionally is. You know, you can't blame Bob for everything that happened to Churchill over the last month, right? I mean, the eight horse deaths <clears throat> at Churchill um, are, are are awful. So it's not as if there's it's not as if he's the only bad actor, or it's not as if he's the only problem, but he's just the most visible one, and he's the one that the public knows uh, the most of. 
And the fact that you're right, having a meltdown, such a high profile horse for him. And then he comes back to win the Preakness. It was not a great look. He doesn't remember the horse's name in the winner's circle at the Preakness or doesn't, or chooses not to say the horse's name uh, in in the winner's circle at the Preakness, no matter how you want to look at that. It's just, it's not a great look. And um, it's, it's deeply concerning. And, you know, it's it's one of those things where I think, you know, the casual fan just sees Bob Baffert as that's the problem. And I think that those of us who follow the sport all the time know that Bob Baffert's a problem, but he's far from the only problem. And there's a lot of other bad actors out there in, in the sport. And but people don't know that. And, and, and those people don't have the biggest stage a lot of times. Uh, and so it, it is it is incredibly troubling. And this is kind of the nature of it. But at the same time, I heard, um, I was listening to Pardon the Interruption on ESPN, and they covered the victory of National Treasure. And Tony Kornheiser, who I've been listening to for 30 years, said, uh, I think it's better when Bob Baffert wins on the Triple Crown because he's a big name. And th- there's there's kind of an element of truth to that. And it's it, and that's kind of also gives you insight into the general public of like, oh, I know who that guy is. Uh, versus uh, who's Bill Mott? Like, who's Brad Cox? Like, I don't know who these people are. Even if we know who they are, the public doesn't. And you know who you should always know? Let's wait for the music to come in. <laughs> there it is. Ed the world's first bet now pay later visa card similar to buy now pay later programs edge boost enables you to double your bet with no interest and payback the advance over four equal weekly installments that's right zero percent interest simply deposit funds into your account and edge boost will match the deposit so you can use two times the funds on any legal sports betting site edge currently offers 2500 advances up to 2500 you could add to your bankroll my edge boost Double down, play for the day as I'm riding with the Oakland Athletics again. Go to sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash edge to sign up today at sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash edge. Must be 21 years or older to use. Only valid in legal gambling states. Problem gambling call 100-GAMBLER. All right, let's move on. Let's talk about Saturday's Belmont Stakes card. That's this Saturday, May 26th. Year of Our Lord 2023. It's a nine race card. First post, one o'clock Eastern, 12 o'clock God's time. Uh, Matthew and I are going to give, uh, we're each going to give two of our best plays and then uh, have a play for the the grade three soaring softly stakes. And I believe we both started on the same race. Let's talk race three, eight furlongs, the $75,000 maiden claimer on the Widener turf. Matthew, I know you had a play in race three. Let's hear it. Yeah, so I like the number three, Yorkshire Prince, uh, at five to one on the morning line. Uh, I think this is a horse that really perked up on the turf last time out at Aqueduct. This horse had been only running on the dirt, had really only one good career effort before that race, and that was on a sloppy sealed track at Aqueduct, which typically is an indication those horses can like the turf quite a bit. And this is for the Thomas Morley barn. That's a barn that's really been on fire lately and really sending off, I think, some really strong runners. And so I think you're getting five to one with Javier Castellano aboard, who's been riding beautifully as well. And this horse has been running against like really good competition, actually, in the 
uh, maiden special weight ranks at in New York, running against Slip Mahoney, running against Krupe, running against Classic Legacy. You know, there's been some nice horses there, Classic Catch as well. So has been running against a good caliber of horse. And then last time out, drops down to a maiden 40 and runs this huge race on the turf. And what I like about this horse, A, the perk up is always something I like, but the the favorite in this race, Broken Spur, is likely to try to take him gate to wire from the inside rail. But I like that Yorkshire Prince should just be sitting kind of right off of that pace and will kind of have first crack at the favorite coming for home. So I think at five to one, you're getting a really honest price. And I, I like this horse quite a bit. Look at us. Hey, look at us. Look at us. Huh? Who would have thought? Not me. Yeah, me too. Yeah, Yorkshire Prince, <laughs> uh, five to one. Uh, you pretty much said everything that I liked about the horse. So let me just throw in some uh, extra, you know, uh, some extra compliments here. Uh, the yeah. horse is always punctual. Um, it's <laughs> very well spoken. It's got a pleased to meet you sort of attitude. Um, yeah, I, I really like Yorkshire Prince. You mentioned that the class move. Uh, it's the class move that I think is a sneaky, good little class move because you're going from the, the maiden claiming back into maiden special weight or sorry, uh, back into a more expensive maiden claimer because yeah. you saw how well the horse ran, uh, on, on its first chance at, at firm turf and it runs anything yep. near that on firm turf. It, it's going to have a good day. So, uh, I I'm no must, no fuss straight win Brett win bet on, uh, on Yorkshire Prince. Yeah, I'll use a win bet, and then I have a play in the fourth, so I'll probably do a little bit of a daily double with uh, with Yorkshire Prince. But, you know, it's also looking at the rest of the competition, and certainly nobody's overwhelming, I don't think, in this race. I mean, there's some nice horses, but, like, I just can't get excited. There's a first-time Chad Browdrunner. I just can't get excited about uh, Nyquist on the turf, in my opinion. Like, I just, that's one that I know Chad keeps trying to make happen, and I'm like, why do we keep running Nyquist? on the turf i don't i don't fully understand this but so Ny nyquist on the turf is horse race racing fetch we keep trying to make fetch a thing but it's right nyquist on the turf <laughs> yeah i'm just like why why do we keep doing this uh and so i uh so and, and listen the broken spur the number one horse makes a lot of sense but I, I i don't know about you but i always am very hesitant to embrace front runners on the turf up in new york because i just a i never know what type of ride they're going to get and b that is a track that usually plays pretty fair and honest uh, in terms of the turf. And it's it's hard to take horses gate to wire a lot of times. So uh, I just thought that one I, I just wasn't interested in. And the, the three made, I think, just a ton of sense. And you're right about going from a maiden 40 back up to a maiden 75. I think they realize they have something maybe pretty nice in, in this one on the turf. All right. So we agree on race three. Matthew, uh, however, uh, I, I believe is playing the very next. He's going he's going two straight races here. Came two times. <laughs> I am indeed. Uh, so I'm going to the number fourth race, which is a mile on the dirt. It's uh, for just for three-year-olds, and it's a $62,000 optional claimer, uh, non-winners of uh, two, uh, lifetime basically non-winners outside of their maidens. But uh, I like the number six, Smooth Flying Mike at seven to two. This is a horse I really like quite a bit. Uh, I know he is, I believe, the third choice on the board in a rather short field of only six. But this is the only speed in the race. And granted, he's stretching out from six furlongs to a mile, but his running style doesn't suggest that he is a need-the-lead type of horse, though he will certainly get the lead in this race. Uh, he's been having some very sharp works down at Delaware Park. And 
Uh, you know, Jane Sibeli bringing this one up. It gets Jose Ortiz aboard. This is a horse that broke his maiden down at Tampa and then ran at Parks. What I like about that Parks effort, even though it was a second place finish, that was his first time running against winners. And it was against older as well. So he got beat by a four-year-old and a five-year-old finished right behind him. So, you know, he was running against, you know, some would say tougher competition as a result of that. And I just really like the form that this horse has. Only two career starts. Both are in the money. I thought that I thought it was very impressive that he goes immediately from breaking his maiden to running against older company and an optional claimer at Parks and really holds his own there uh, behind some pretty fast fractions. And he was just sitting kind of just off of that. But like I said, in this race, he's going to go to the lead. And on a on a one turn dirt mile, I tend to like horses that are going to be on the lead and should have a pretty easy lead. Actually, nobody in this field really feels like it's even going to try to pressure the number six horse smooth fly and Mike. So I'll use this one and double up with uh, the number three in the previous race. You know, what's interesting is I actually, I, you know, I capped every single race of course. And mm -hmm. uh, in this race that, that you're doing, I had a toss up and it was between the six, the horse that I actually really liked here too, ended up going with as my top pick in this race was the one life and light. I believe mm, it was 12, yeah. 12 to one. Uh, yeah. It seems like this year, uh, right now, the theme is uh, horse in search of a fast track. That that <laughs> seems to yep. that seems to be the story. With as much rain as you got at Oakland, all the rain all over the friggin' country. Mm -hmm. There's so many horses that just need a fast track, and I really like Life and Light to to maybe be able to like pick up pieces here. Even though I will admit it's a little bit of a stretch. Uh, there's a reason you get the allowance with uh, uh, Omar Hernandez Moreno. Um, yeah. But he, I think I, he I, earned I, that six pounds by not <laughs> winning races. I'll have, you know, uh, but I think that one makes sense because that one should be kind of sitting second. I would imagine to smooth fly Mike and which should be pretty forwardly placed, um, especially coming from the rail. I mean, they're going to want to get out and make sure they don't get shuffled too far back. So because um, the, the idea would be that winter lion and, and smooth fly Mike are your two speeds. And if a right. horse is going to come from off the pace, it's going to be the one coming from just a little yep. bit off of smooth fly Mike. Exactly. He's not going to have to make a huge move or something like that. I mean, he's going to be sitting, like I said, third. it's a short field as well. So I, I like taking a shot with a little bit of a higher price there. You know where you don't have to pay higher price, Matthew? Where's that? Shady rates. That's right, because right now it is Shady May. Shady Rays is teaming up with SGPN for Shady May. Not only do you get an amazing 50% off, but you also have a chance to win $500. Shady Rays has you covered from the sun to the slopes of premium polarized shades, customizable snow goggles, and much more. Shady Rays have durable frames and extremely clear optics for outdoor adventures. Listen, you could go skiing. You could hit a tree. Your Shady Rays will survive, even though you might not. If you lose or break your pair, even on day one, they told us they will send you a brand new pair. No questions asked. If you don't love them, exchange for a new pair. Return them for free within 30 days. There's no risk when you shop with Shady Rays. Their team always has your back. And for our international listeners, Shady Rays has your coverage as well. With shipping to Canada, Australia, New Zealand, and the United Kingdom. Go to ShadyRays.com and use code SGPN for 50% off two or more pairs of polarized sunglasses. And remember, May is almost over, so make sure you take your receipt sportsgamingpodcast.com slash Shady for your chance to win the $500 Shady May contest. Hi, my name is Shady May. That doesn't work, bars-wise, uh, syllabically. Uh, that that <laughs> rhyme had some had some trouble, uh, admittedly. All right, let's 
We're going to hit my second play here, and it comes from actually race six. And I'm going to use my horse in race six into a daily double into the, the race that we'll both be covering, the uh, the Soaring Softly race seven. But let's talk about race six. Seven furlongs, $62,500. Not winners of two-somethings, optional claiming. Uh, I this is this is where me and Matthew's friendship possibly ends because he hates pocket trips. <laughs> I, I <do>. <laughs> love pocket trips. Love them. <laughs> and I love the pocket trip that number two, Happy Farm at nine to two will uh will get behind the early pace of Vittorio and majority partner. Uh one against the same competition level two back at Aqueduct over a fast track. Another once again horse in search of a fast track. Uh, and was on the steady improve until the uh, the wet track performance. Uh, I'm never crazy about coupled entries that have the exact same running style. I hate it. Like, why mm-hmm. are you even coupling? Like, take yep. advantage of it. Um, and that's what you're you're seeing with uh, Colonel Bowman and Safa's Day. Both of them like to come from from off the pace, so no one's going to be taking advantage of a I, I, what I think could be a little bit warmer pace for a horse to have first run on. None of the, none of those coupled entries are, are going to do it. Uh, I mean, fast track conditions and a great pace setup make this an appealing play to me, and that's going to be the the two Happy Farm to win. I'm going to play an exacta with Happy Farm. Uh, over the uh, three Vittorio, uh, the coupled entry of uh, Colonel Bowman and Safa's Day, and then the five majority partner for uh, Linda Rice, which I have to assume at some point this was a Clarevic horse because it has a business-related name because Seth Clarevic is a busy, busy businessman who only cares about his business and horses. Um, and I'm also going to play an ice-cold daily double here starting with the two Happy Farm. I like it. I don't like hat pocket trips. You're absolutely right. I loathe them. Uh, and uh, mainly because I've just seen too many horses that I love get stuck behind a pocket trip and not be able to get out in the clear. But I, I listen, I think in a shorter field, pocket trips can be more useful. I, I think that's one of the things to keep in mind. It's a six horse field. So even if it's something's going to open up, you know, behind the, the, the early speed and I, I think this uh, too makes a ton of sense. Uh, in this particular race for Happy Farm, I really like this. You know, I, honestly, this like ongoing angle of like just a horse searching for a dry, fast track. Uh, and you certainly you can appreciate that down from Oaklawn Park, as we've seen horses it like just, Finding Purpose and Tax. It just and, and feels others. like the state of handicapping in twenty twenty three, Matthew. Like yeah. I, I've seen so many horses recently that you just have to bet on the angle of come. They just need a fast track. They're just like yeah. they're they're like. Kane and Kung Fu wandering the fucking earth looking for a dry track. <laughs> yeah, no, you're absolutely right. So I, I like that. And I, you're right. The horse has been steadily improving before that last effort. And, uh, you know, we should mention that last effort was against a horse like Sheriff Bianco, who's a, who's a nice horse. Uh, and, you know, he beat him last uh, two times out. He's running against horses like Pirate Rick, who's a pretty nice horse. You know, Greeley and Ben going back a little ways. I mean, he's been keeping good company in this division, you know, running son of a gun. So, uh, I, there's a lot to like, I think, about Happy Farm at 9-2. to two. Yeah, I like it. And also, you don't see this often, a damn out of holy bull. You yeah. got to love it. The bull, baby. <laughs> yeah. Uh, was it? It's like the, the equivalent of the film titled Children of Men, like a holy bull, <laughs> man. Uh, yeah. All right. That was race sixth. Uh, now, moving on to uh, the main course for the, for the uh, card. 
Uh, put the feature in race seven, the seven furlong, $175,000 soaring softly stakes, grade three, seven furlongs on the Widener turf. Don't forget, you've got two turf tracks at mm -hmm. Belmont, the inner and always the outer, which is named after usually a dead white man. Um, <laughs> so we're on the dead white man Widener turf track. And uh, yeah, I, this is a sneaky hard race. Uh, I yeah. You mentioned that you you ended up being chalky for for a lot of this card, and like I I did my my tip sheet for for this last night as I was as I was prepping for the show, and uh, I've got prices. I've got bombs all over the place, and I've got a little bit yeah. of a, a price here in this race. But uh, because I live life like my mother's behind me with a wooden spoon, guess first, Matthew. What are you doing in the Soren Softly Stakes? So I'm I'm fading chalk here as well, and uh, I I think there's kind of multiple reasons to do that. But I ultimately ended up on the number four Queen Picasso, and uh, this was a horse that broke its maiden down at Gulfstream Park for Christophe Clement, and is now coming and running against uh, winners for the first time. But I mean, this horse's pedigree is absolutely freaking outstanding. And is a half to the horse acclaim, who is one of the greatest seven furlong runners in the world uh, for a long stretch. The maiden special weight has already come back very strong with two other next out winners. Um, Jose Ortiz on the New York turf feels like a different jockey than the Jose Ortiz I see in a lot of other tracks and other surfaces. And I'm just like, why can't this Jose Ortiz like ride everywhere else? Uh, he just is really, really good uh, on that New York turf. It feels like because and it doesn't always benefit both Ortiz brothers. <laughs> it's true. And he said with no proof. <laughs> <And so, laughs> uh, you know, the horse re registered a 74 buyer speed figure first time out. I think you typically see a little bit of an upward progression from first to second time. If he does, uh, I, I think he's right there. So I'm going to take a little bit of a shot, but I really like this horse quite a bit. So I'm going to go with the number four, uh, Queen Picasso. I I went I went a different direction. I do have a question for you regarding uh, Queen Picasso vis-a-vis -vis Love Appeals, the yeah. other Christophe Clement. Yeah. Uh, does the fact that Joel Rosario get get it up on Love Appeals give you any pause uh, to to think that it's the more preferred Clement? Uh, it, it gives me pause for a moment. For sure. But then I look at the running lines and I realize that Love Appeals likes to be forwardly placed. And I think to myself, well, Joel's allergic to that. So Joel's going to try to take this horse back and do Joel things. And, uh, you know, and, and that's when the horses get in trouble. And so I just, you know, there are times where I just, I love Joel, but there are times where I'm like, well, I'm playing against him. And so I just end up kind of going, all right, well, we're going to go in another direction here. So that, I, that was a little bit of my thought. I, I don't know why I'm I'm gonna say this out loud uh, to the benefit of of horsemen all over the the United States because I feel like they probably already know it. But uh, if you're giving Jose Ortiz, Irad Ortiz Jr. or Joel Rosario uh, instructions in the paddock before the race, uh, pop a quarter in your ass because you played yourself. Because uh, <laughs> they 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 ain't gonna do it. They're gonna do what they want. All right. Exactly. I, I'm taking a horse here that I think is actually going to be a sneaky play to get to the front of this race and either mm -hmm. force the issue with this, with this early pace or just win it toward from the front from what well, I think could be a 
fairly slowish pace and that's the three american apple uh for daniel leach uh owned by katiric stables we got eric cancel up and let's see we got american apple at, at four to one uh i really like american apple in this spot especially when you see the the progression uh from the uh you know from the two starts after the layoff in stakes races and the limestone and the uh i guess that's the mademoiselle but there's the i think it just says mamzelle in the (laughs) yeah yeah we gotta we as a people gotta get better with uh with abbreviations i know we have so many of them but i i feel like mamzelle out of mademoiselle is uh uh fucking ludicrous all right <laughs> uh but yeah i i really like uh, american apple just on that sneaky pace play because if you go back yeah. to the grade three matron win that horse was cut came from a, a length and a half back uh go back before that length and a half back and then was within a length in the uh in the maiden so you have two straight wins where the horse came from within a length and a half and when i don't think anyone's going to go i don't think that uh, that it makes this a, a bad play at all, especially because I feel like this is the only horse that has, I mean, seven furlongs is a sprint legitimate sprinters early speed because this horse is coming out of five and a half furlong races where it's tra- chasing 21 second opening quarters yep. and it's a length and a half off. I think that's going to translate to being possibly on the lead at seven furlongs. Yeah. So American Apple was my second choice. And we should say this is a personal favorite of our mutual friend, Sarah El Badwi. I know she's always a big fan of American Apple. And so, uh, yeah, this was, this was my second choice for everything you just said. I think this horse gets the lead. I think this horse can kind of set things its own way up front and set its own fractions. Uh, I, I, this horse runs really well at big prices too. I mean, that's what I also like about this horse is, you know, fourth place by two and a half lengths at 21 to one, you know, second by, you know, two lengths last time out at 11 to one, uh, you're, you're getting good prices. And this is a horse that, you know, has, uh, you know, run well up in New York. Uh, you know, granted it was the aqueduct turf, but you know, that's where obviously the horse won the grade three matron, uh, going six furlongs that day. And I, I like this one a lot. I think you're right that it will probably get the job done on the front end. And, the other thing to point out about this race that's kind of interesting is I always look at early late pace figures for these different horses. And what's so fascinating to me is that the two Clement horses are kind of plotters in a lot of ways. Like they don't have ex- overwhelmingly high figures early or late. I mean, it's very antithesis of like Chad Brown runners that'll have like a 12 speed figure early and like 134 speed figure late or like an Italian. That's like the complete opposite. And so Uh, um, that smooth energy distribution that a lot of people like to see in the the pace figures between the, between the three segments. Yeah, absolutely. But I, I think it's, in a sprint, I'm not necessarily thrilled with that. Like it's one of those. And I think that's why this was a sneaky tough race to really handicap because you know, typically with sprints, you like to see somebody either take advantage of speed or look at it and go, okay, this horse can run into speed, but there wasn't kind of an obvious play there. So I I like your choice of American Apple at four to one quite a bit. I mean, just based off, I feel, I feel like I I get a little bit of street cred because I converted the five and a half and the opening fractions, no big deal. But if you do look at the early pace, uh, if you look at the, the pace uh, figures from Brisnet, uh, American Apple, the E1 figure is a 93, which mm-hmm. is a good seven points above anyone else. Uh, you have Lady Beth, who doesn't have an average for the distance to surface, I assume, because it hasn't run this distance very often. Um, 
but I think, you know, just based off that, it says it's the speed of speed. I like to p- personally go more by what the horse's uh, tendencies are. I, I think that, you know, horses have their comfort zone, their move. They don't necessarily race by what the pay- the race shape is in the, in the racing form. They're going to do what's best for them. Um, so, yeah. I don't even remember what I'm talking about anymore. Uh, big takeaway, <laughs> I buried the lead here. I'm on American Apple, and I will be betting uh, American Apple uh, to win. And then I'm going to probably play an exact uh, American Apple over uh, the two love appeals and the one Lady Beth. Nice. So I will play a win bet on Queen Picasso, and then I will play an exacto with uh, Queen Picasso over top of American Apple and love appeals. Okay. All right. That's, we did it. Look, we did look it. at us. Look, <laughs> look, I don't know what time this is going to get posted, but I just want to point out that it is 9.05 Eastern, 8.05 God's time. And we've got a, a podcast in the books. Uh, Matthew's travel, of course, uh, paid for courtesy of courtesy of Peter Pan bus line. <laughs> <laughs> Matthew, you're all over uh, the, the YouTubes lately. And what the fuck are you doing on TV anyhow? You know, I get calls from back home every fucking day. They think you went bad shit. <laughs> you want to shout out, shout out? I know you got a lot of great stuff going on. Yeah, no, and I, but I could listen to that drop over and over and over and over again, by the way. Nothing makes me happier than Joe Pesci. Who I think he might be angry. my spirit animal. I, it's point. hysterical. Uh, and so, if that uh, and Joe Pesci had a baby, I would easily be that offspring. <laughs> uh, but yeah, listen, if you follow me on Twitter at the handle at failed the menace, you'll be able to find all my content. But yeah, we just did an early preview of the Belmont stakes, uh, have capping the card coming out this morning. I was joined by Angela Herman, uh, who does some work down at Gulfstream, but is also the head analyst up at Canterbury Park. And we did all nine races at Canterbury for opening day on Saturday. So you can check that out if you're interested in playing that track. We got a lot of stuff, I think, in the pipeline coming up for Cinnaboya on Monday nights. That should be a lot of fun with Stable Duel uh, as well. So, yeah, we and obviously I'll have a ton of Triple Crown coverage and then moving into Saratoga in the summer and looking forward to many travels around the country. So I'm planning on going to the Haskell. I'm going to the Jim Dandy and I'm going to the Charlestown classic. And then I'll probably also make my way down to the Arlington million and the Beverly D down at colonial downs this year. Very nice. Very nice. You said, you said Angela Herman and it made me think of the show Herman's head, which reminded me, I have to tell you a guy who was on the show Herman's head who played Santa Claus in home alone, gave Kevin McAllister a Tic Tac. <laughs> bought my tip sheet for the preakness wow yeah there you go yeah that's it i'm i don't need any more internet cloud i, I, have, I was gonna say I, you're gonna retire now there you he go. was in armageddon that was a jerry bruckheimer film <laughs> I mean, we're just naming things now that's it yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> enzo ferrari just throwing out names <laughs> All right, that's going to do it for us here at the Notorious OTB. Once again, my edge double, my edge boost, double down play of the day is going to be the Oakland A's on the money line. Edge boost enables you to double your bet with no interest. Go to sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash edge to sign up today. That's sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash edge. That's going to do it for us at the Notorious OTB. We will catch you later this weekend when we talk Memorial Day racing. Later. Later.